space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life, a new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim. With me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. All I want to do is explore fucking quasars. <laughs> and Dr. Squee. Walk with the prophets, my child. <laughs> which brings us on to the Trek news, which, unfortunately, it's sad Trek news again, um, which was the passing of Louise Fletcher this last week, who, of course... As Dr. Squee alluded to, played Kai Wynn. And perhaps probably more famously in the mainstream, Nurse Ratchet in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. But that woman could play a villain. When they first introduced her, it just it felt like she was just going to be the villain of the week. Like she was just an antagonist for Burial in that season one finale. And then she appeared a couple more times. And then they did the episode, I think it was The Collaborator, where... You pretty much thought, oh, they're going to make Vedic Burial the Kai. That, that's going to be the way they're going. And then they threw you this curveball of, oh, no, wins now the Kai. And all of a sudden, that was like, oh, she's here to stay now. And then, obviously, she just grew and grew and became almost on par with Gulda Cat as the, the villain. And, it you know, it was them two in the final arc and everything. And, yeah, she was just fantastic. She was such a good antagonist for Kira and for Cisco to an extent and yeah, like the, well, the... you could always she was always trying to play against Cisco but she was also scared of him because mm. he, had the, he was from the prophets he was the emissary that was it yeah. and like the episodes that explored the faith I think one of the one of the best performances was in oh, I forget the name of the episode but the one where Jake gets possessed by a power rave and Kira gets possessed by a prophet or whatever oh, it yeah, is. Yeah, I was the other day, yeah. And it comes down to Cisco's got a greater faith in the prophets because he's willing to let whatever's going to happen happen to Jake, but it's Kai Wynn whose faith actually wavers and yeah. she stops it. So to play, <laughs> play that is brilliant because she's playing this woman who is supposedly the most devout character that can be, but the cracks started to show. So, yeah, she was just fantastic all the way through. And I think also to get so known as Nurse Ratchet, like everyone, uh, Nurse Ratchet is just such a reference. Everyone knows it. Mm -hmm. She was just uh, so synonymous with that part in a day when typecasting was at its worst. And then to get uh, so known uh, as the Kai in um, yeah. in Deep Space Nine is really kind of quite an achievement, and so kind of like uh, sensible of the writers of Star Trek. And it's not like they're similar villains; they're very no, different no. parts as well. Uh, and I think it's just wonderful that they they've given her this uh, this second legacy, if you will. And I'm sure she did loads of other wonderful performances, but she'll always be just remembered for these two parts mainly. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's certainly the two that, that spring to mind. I mean, for well, there's me... two iconic parts, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, um, yeah, so, again, very sad news. Um, other Trek news, sad, but not on the same level, is that um, there's going to be no Kelvin Universe Star Trek four, or at least not in the foreseeable future now. Well, yeah. I, think that, I think they almost put the nail in the coffin on that. The moment they announced it, 
and said they were getting the same cast back. Yeah. Because immediately, you all go, oh, really? Paycheck time, you've announced this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that he was... He himself immediately. Yeah, it was... Yeah, also... Yeah. Oh, sorry, mate. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, it's like, yeah, and, and just disrespectful to your actors as well. Not only do they, well, they demand a big paycheck because you've just announced it, so the power's in their, the ball's in their court, basically, for that. But also, how disrespectful. It's like, yeah, we'll get them all back. They'll all be available. It's not like any of them are big A-listers, Chris Pine, uh, Zoe Saldana. Like, none of these are in any big franchises at all. Like, not, yeah, it's quite ridiculous, isn't it? it? Yeah, but there you go. They they made a few mistakes with that one. And to be honest, like, I would have liked to have seen a final Kelvin film to kind of wrap it all up. But with how much Star Trek we're getting at the minute, I don't feel like we need another Kelvin film. No, I think that we've spoken <laughs> about this before, that what we'd like with a Star Trek film is... Like what they're going to do with Lower Decks and Strange New Worlds next season, where we get them all come together. And with so yeah. many the same opportunities. Use what we're showing and what the audience is watching now. Yeah, exactly. Like, I feel like... from them Star Trek movies. Yeah. But, I mean, they previously pointed towards the kind of low box office that, you know, they did okay, but they didn't set the box office light. But to be honest with you, every cast member's just got bigger in profile since the the mm-hmm. dead movie. You know, yeah. you've got the boys for um, Keith Urban Cal or Urban. Carl Urban? Cal Cal Urban. Urban. I always get those two mixed up and they're very different people. Uh, you've got, yeah, Simon Pegg's just done more and more stuff. Like, all of them have just become bigger and bigger. So I think that would be a hell of a draw in the box office now. I um, think it would yeah. be. But anyway, they, they, they did shoot himself in the foot a little bit there. And I remember... When it was first announced, I remember thinking it was a bit overly ambitious to say we're aiming for Christmas 23. So even even if everything had fallen into line perfectly, that's still a very short turnaround for what yeah. would no doubt have been a big movie. <laughs> a huge budget movie. Yeah. So yeah. either way, I mean, what, I, I think we can safely say there will be another Star Trek film at some point. Uh, but where I would guess that it's not high on the list of uh, no. priorities for Paramount well, at the minute. Well, now been saying that he's doing it another next-gen movie, hasn't he? Yeah, so, well... That he'd be up for doing... So, I'm Who's assuming that? we don't get Who's an end of, uh, Pat, of Patrick Stewart in uh, in the final season of Picard. If he's talking about... He's, he'd be willing to come back and do another movie to finish it all. Well, he could be just throwing you off the scent, though. It might be quite definitive, <laughs> the ending. You never know, but... Uh, it's just... it's um, It just seems so maddening that they can't put it together. They can't... You know, just... I mean, it, especially at times... Like you were saying about the box... About um, going for uh, the end of 2023. Like, the box office has become some so volatile. It's never really kind of stabilised since, mm. uh, since COVID shut down. And so stuff is getting put back all the time. Mm-hmm. So they set themselves already a small deadline, which is bound to get put back. It just seems yeah, crazy. It's, and if the proposed Star Wars film that's now also been cancelled, Rogue Squadron, had have hit its release date, that would have been December 23. So a Star Trek and a Star Wars film head-to-head for the Christmas box office. No. I'm, not, I'm not sure either of them would have wanted that. 
we've seen that with uh, Nemesis when it went up against Lord of the Rings. Yeah, that was like spectacularly well, about stupid. Nemesis was badly planned. Yeah. I mean, Rogue Squadron, that, that one did actually sad me because uh, I heard it's Catherine Kennedy, wasn't it, who was doing that one? Catherine and Kennedy producing, it was Patty Jenkins yeah. directing. Right, Patty yeah. Jenkins, that was it. And she'd spoken about how she was really looking forward to doing it because it was her father's legacy. I think it was her father or mother, like one of her parents uh, flew for the military. And so, you know, and they, mm. she told this story about one of the missions they went on and how exciting it was and how they wanted to put that on. She wanted to put that on the big screen through the lens of Star Wars. It was just such a beautiful story. And it's like, that was the one I was most invested in just because it felt so personal to her. I was sure, you know, that would be seen on the screen. Um, yeah, so just I think it was the critical response that Wonder Woman 2 got that derailed that a little bit they they didn't seem quite as keen on her after wonder woman 2 which this is something actually this is completely off topic but it is a problem in hollywood that like you are seeing more female directors getting to make bigger films now but the problem is that female directors are not allowed to make a bad film or uh, yeah exactly like uh, another case in point the one that's out of the minute we have to see it tonight actually that don't worry darling which is olivia wilde's second film and her first film book smart got very good reviews and did well Mm. for a low budget film whereas this one's not getting them and i wouldn't be surprised if that's the end of it really for her directing big budget films which it's such a shame because it, it shows the inequality in Hollywood. Male directors are allowed to make a string of crap films and they keep getting yes. jobs and they keep doing it and they get to hone the craft and get better, whereas women directors are expected to hit a home run straight out the gate and never look back. Yeah. And Who is I, it who does the um, Transformers? Michael Bay. Yeah. yeah. Case in point. Yeah, he's not made a good <laughs> film since arguably Armageddon or definitely The Rock yeah. so he hasn't made a good film for at least eight Transformer movies well exactly yeah and let's not even get started on Zack Snyder but anyway uh, I mean the, the other thing is with uh, just on um, the um, uh, Patty Jenkins of it all she, apparently as well the um, second Wonder Woman film got recut for when it was going to because it got released on VO for, for, on Disney Plus mm. as opposed to on the big screen Apparently they did some recutting to emphasize like crowd scenes and people being together and stuff because they felt it would play well to people who were kind of feeling isolated. Mm-hmm. And so basically it messed about with a cut, which like I I doubt there was a really good cut of it, but there could have been maybe a better cut of that film. Yeah, more uh, than likely. And but you're it, right, and she doesn't deserve to get screwed over because she's had one flop. It's no, just she doesn't. And you know, there was nothing wrong with the way it was made. The problem was the script. You know, it, the directing oh, yeah, yeah. was fine, but the the way yeah. it all came together didn't work. But anyway, so this week's episode then lower decks reflections, and this is. I would venture to say the most character focused we've gone in Lower Decks. But this, it's this, one of my favourites so far. Yeah, I thought it was a really, really? impressive yeah, episode and to devote more or less the whole episode to character development of Rutherford, who's arguably the one who's had the least character development so far. I think it was a, a good move, really. 
Yeah. It's so lovely how they revealed how there was so much stuff they've laid down in the past, like his glitching system and everything. Yeah. Is caused and, by this. So they've obviously known they were going here. And that was the thing. So we did have a clip of these people standing over him saying, oh, we'll make it look like it's selective. We've seen that before, but it's... Yeah. It's that long ago now that I'd forgotten. And I'll be honest, there's so much Star Trek to keep up with that I... I I apologise, I know we're, we're podcasters, we should be held to a higher standard, but <laughs> there's that much going on that sometimes I do forget a subplot, and I'd, when they showed it, I was like, oh, of course I remember that, but I've not been going into Lower Decks thinking, I need to know more about this Rutherford thing, do you know what I mean? Like, it had... Yeah, I think yeah, uh, I don't think there's low, lower standard of account to be held to than podcasters. Uh, but but let's not let them know that. Sorry, Ali. <laughs> sorry, I was just <coughs> sorry. Little, little something. We could be pri- um, politicians, prime ministers, members of parliament. Yeah, that's true. That that stock's really going down with the pounds. Weeks by the looks of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Elliot. What were you going to say, mate? I was just saying that the thing with this with Rutherford, Rutherford is. There's so many things going on in Lower Decks. Like, arguably, there's more goes on in Lower an episode of Lower Decks than any other Star Trek show because <laughs> yeah. of all the other Easter eggs and references all over the place. Like, it's, it's very easy to miss when they drop something in one season and <laughs> as a little reference yeah. of a few couple of seconds. There's that many, many things. I think I think Lower Decks is that probably the hardest to keep yeah. up with. Uh, and to be able to, to have such a heartfelt episode as this, which I really did, I oh, it sort of moved me kind of quite greatly in some moments, like the bit when they're talking about friend, having his friends there on the ship. Uh, and to not sacrifice the last at all, This it was just such a, a strong episode on every front. Yeah, it I mean... less funny to have the heart in there. I often think this about, like, the the format of a half hour sitcom or in America that's usually a 22 minute sitcom or sometimes yeah. even 20 but what we get about 25 minutes of lower decks like roughly 24 25 I, I've got my notes here and I've just counted them up and I've got 18 things that I thought might be worth talking about on a podcast so that's nearly one thing a minute and then you've got all the laughs on top of it, and then you've got all the things I've missed. It, it's quite incredible that they cram that all into a 25-minute yeah. runtime, you know. Just writing it alone, like, where you're there going, it's like, right, and in this scene, you've got, like, the collectors there, you've got the Alamoraine counter for those guys are there, yeah. and then, like, just, they've got to describe everything in so much detail because there's so many references i don't know what a script for this looks like no you know, that you're right that would be crazy wouldn't it like and well, the, you've, got, you've, got you've got to go right we should have these so you need to watch x y and z show for this this clip and then you need to watch this show for this clip so you know so you get the characterization right mm-hmm. you're not just drawing yeah. what they look like you've got to get how they actually were previously, but then add humour on top of it. Yeah, it's quite a task, isn't it? And even with that, I bet these guys have to be like pretty much Trek. Everyone working the show has to have a good amount of Trek knowledge. Oh, yeah. Trek knowledge, really. It's just such a, a fear of wonder. And we have never had so much, I don't want to say disagreement because it wasn't that, but it's like never so much differing opinions on which episode should be covered alongside this because there were so many references in this there one. Was and there's so some many. That were like, 
oh, what if that one never gets mentioned again? Because like, yeah, like I'm saying, the Alan Moran guys, I can never, I can't remember the race, but those guys with the game from Deep Space Nine, will they get mentioned again? I don't know, but there's five other references which felt like they might only ever be yeah. referenced here. So yeah, they had to pick Poison. No, absolutely. And I think we've gone with the the one that's the the we've most gone with featured. The yeah, I, we, I, I feel like it was even for this and Contagion for me. But um, oh, so no, conspiracy. Conspiracy, yeah. Uh, um, you're only interested in book, uh, bugs. Yeah, but yeah. Bugs. I wanted book bugs because I thought it was so hilarious. Like, they just kept on calling them butt bugs, and they referenced them like three or four times. It was great. And like all of this that we've talked about so far is really related to the B plot, which is Mariner and Boimler at the booth. Yeah. And yeah, all yeah. the different things, like you say, you've got the Wadi, they're the Alamarine guys. And you've got an archaeologist, there's sort of shades of Vash there. Yeah. And you've uh, my favourite, though, were the Starfleet Truthers. I thought they they were great. And they're yeah, exactly the sort of thing that you would get in the Star Trek universe. Like, hang on, what's the truth about Captain Sisko? And as we've mentioned, the butt bugs... And, and also, I did love the fact that there were so many of these um, these points that they were bringing up when they were coming up to the booth. A lot of them were kind of true. Like some of them were exaggerated, obviously. Mm. But it's like, it's like it, yeah, it's really, like, it's like yeah, quite a few people do get taken over by the Borg and Starfleet. She's not wrong. Yeah, yeah. and you're not, why are you wearing uniforms if you're not a military? Yes, <laughs> and you're actually a navy. You you're very naval. You're not. Just next flowers. Yeah, it's. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? That's why the humour works because it is poking fun at, to a large extent, at discussions fans have had. Like I've seen various online discussions about, well, is Starfleet a military or is it not? And well, that's it. it there's, there's. Uh, I can't remember who does it. It's a YouTube channel. I can't remember its name off the top of my head. But he looks. He did a big thing on this. Are the militaristic or not? And he goes, like first season of early TOS, they were definitely militaristic. <laughs> but then when you get to next gen, especially at the start, the Federation had become complacent, mm. and there were more explorers than there were militaristic. And it's shown with things that they come out with. But then after the Borg, they become a military again. Yeah, by the I think, they literally are a full-blown military. I mean, my take on yeah. it is that Starfleet wants to be an exploratory thing, but has to be a military at times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and for a force which isn't the military, they uh, mention their links to the Navy quite a lot. Yeah, they do have a yeah. very imposed ranking system that, um, yeah. And they've always got, like, the... the ships and a lot of them have the starships going back to naval ships yeah so it's like if you want to make, say you're not military you're not doing a great job at, at convincing people here it's one of the things like the the federation not having money that it's a nice idea but when you you scrutinize it a bit it doesn't you can't quite wrap your head around how it might actually work but there we go well <laughs> We've talked about this previously, and I imagine the Federation operates more on a barter system. Yes, I think so. That you've got this mineral or this mate material on your planet. We'll provide all these 
facilities if you buy that that uh, mineral for us. I, I we'll just give sort you of the skills and the replicators. Yeah, and I think the, that's it. And the energy stuff and everything else, and we'll protect your planet if you mine all this stuff for us. I think there's probably also like a bit of when you're dealing with Ferengi, you just they have a reserve of gold plus mm. pressed platinum. But yeah. within every Federation uh, world, it's all done between them. Yeah, you'd imagine so. So yeah. the the main plot then. So Rutherford's having nightmares right at the start, and we get another one of them where the teaser is just totally plot driven. The you know there is a throwaway gag in it, but it is just a setup to the episode it's a teaser that ties in directly to the story we're going to tell and then he wakes up and he's got the evil red eye which that's obviously a concession to this being animation I think we're probably meant to accept that he's not really got an evil red eye yeah, because everyone, surely no someone would have commented see, that's how we're seeing them yeah I think that's I assume it's a different filter on his, his eye thing, which we don't... Well, which how I assumed it was, it's like, when they're looking in the mirror of windows at each other, reflections, there's Rutherford at one side, and then he sees the other side, and it's how they're perceiving each other. Yeah, well, I think that's so. interesting. I, 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 I thought it was actually going red, but it's like, it's like when someone's hair's a bit different, but you can't quite place what's different about yeah, them. Yeah, just... I think it'd be too obvious to everyone if he was suddenly going around with a red light on his the front of his face yeah I think it's one of them things it's an artistic flourish like in Battlestar Galactica where the Cylon's spines glow red when they're shagging it's like did you really tell me nobody noticed that like yeah, and no one's uh, had an overhead mirror or anything well no they did they did show some bits where you um, you saw it as it would have been seen so you've got I think it's it's a Baltar who's it's one of them in it's the usually Baltar where, where Six has climbed on top of them and then you just see him like there's it flashes to a shot of what everyone else is seeing and he's just there in the chair going oh, oh yeah. yeah I remember that <laughs> it was great yeah, uh, yeah. when you said about the teaser in this episode I actually thought you meant the, the hunky guy going past his bed as he's screaming when he wakes up well yeah you get that as well <laughs> and yeah, it turns out that yeah, the no reason to have a small towel guy yeah, yeah it's, like, it's so funny though. It's like, what? <laughs> well, it's it's fair representation, isn't it? We've seen Tendi in a, just a towel this season, so you've yeah. got to give a bit for the... For the ladies. Yeah, yeah for the ladies watching. Okay. Um, or the fellas who like that. Um, yeah, exactly. So Rutherford then, it turns out it's actually his younger self that's kind of manifesting here and... Young Rutherford is very, very different uh, to Rutherford that we know at this point. Yeah, it's great. And it's like, without the eye patch, he looks so different, even though it's just mm. basically the same cartoon. Yeah. It's just yeah. a bit drawn in. <laughs> and he, he's going to steal the captain's yacht, but Shax stops him. And this is where he ends up in like this mind prison where most of the episode takes place. And are we gonna go? Are we not gonna go into the scene with Tandy? Because I love that bit where yeah. she was just uh, basically he's talking to the evil him, and he's going it's like, uh, "I'll be fine. I'll just just throw in some like basically just 
agrees to throw, throw in a few flounderisms and hit, like they'll never guess that it's him. And so he goes, oh, Oakley, don't clean. And then she goes, oh, brilliant. And the attorney just doesn't question him because he yeah. just yeah. throws in some platitudes, which he would have said. Because it's, yeah, it's normal Rutherford sort of assertion. Oh, they'll they'll work it out straight away. There's no way you can fool them. And it's like, no, you can. <laughs> I'll just go, and, then, <laughs> and I thought the bit when it also when Evil Rutherford was chatting up the trill as well. Oh, yeah. They used actual dialogue from other episodes, so there has been like uh, with Dax talk about the spots go all the way down. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, just ultimate creepy. It kind of just very felt like uh, William Shatner when he had the uh, split into two. Yes. Well, you did mention that they'd had four dates, so you assume with how the Americans are with uh, the dating system. That by now Rutherford would be fully aware if the spots went all the way down. You would think so. And also, look, I think I think it's time for like a Me Too movement in terms of the way we speak to trills, like that is an old joke about the spots. It's not appropriate. We need to stop it. And yeah, I, I, I suspect Kelly was right that he actually secretly did know that the spots went all the way down. He yeah. was just well, asking because no, he but, wanted to see him. Real Rutherford would know because she says that they've been on four dates. Yeah. And in the Americans, your third date. Third date is the one. You say this, but Rutherford is quite a gentleman. He's very old fashioned, you know, as, as I say, he well, uses his speech a bit like Ned, Ned Flanders. Fourth century, so that's pretty old fashioned 400 years back. Maybe I'm just saying, I reckon. Rutherford, <laughs> I reckon Rutherford is the one person in the future who might not have seen a spot, all those spots on the fourth date. Maybe not. Maybe we'll find out in a future episode, unless he's completely ruined his... Or evil Rutherford's ruined his... Well, well not evil. I young Rutherford has ruined his chances. I wasn't actually Rutherford. Yeah, I'm sure she I will do. Because there was no secret about what was happening to him. Yeah, yeah. I think you'd quite often in the Star Trek universe, you'd have to set... You'd have to... Like when people's Facebook accounts get hacked now and they put a thing up saying, I got hacked, don't answer any messages... Yeah. Um, you probably have to do that quite often in the Star Trek universe. Like, I got possessed by my younger self. Please ignore yeah. anything I said to you anything in the last 24 hours. Yeah. And I think people must be quite mindful of that. Um, and like you said, Squee, there is that thing of, oh, well, all these glitches you've been having and everything have been me trying to reassert myself. Brilliant. That was I so do good. like how now I want to watch more back to, to see them. To influence him by hitting himself in his eyes. Oh, yeah, that's good fun. And also, um, yeah, it's like, uh, well, there was that time when I really liked pears. I love pears! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that has been... Um, it's a callback joke. I can't remember the episode, but I'm pretty sure that has been mentioned, the pear thing, has, previously. Yeah, yeah. Something yeah. like pears for no reason. Yeah. I told Ophelia, because before he saw, I'd seen the episode, he goes, oh, I love pears. I go, oh, no spoilers. I don't even yeah. want pear-based spoilers. I'm that purist about it. <laughs> and then, yeah, I, I think we're being led to assume that this is something to do with Section 31, whatever's happened no, to it him. It wouldn't surprise me if it's a complete curveball. It wouldn't me either. But as like, I say, I, I think... I, I'm like I'm with you. My immediate thoughts is this is something to do with Section Thirty One, and then my second thought is right. It obviously isn't because that's what they want me to. Think. Yeah, that's it. They because want us to think that. Works. I think the one thing we're going to get is whoever that person is saying, um, you know, who's in charge of that. It's going to be uh, someone we know. I reckon it's a, that. That was the bit I honed in on. I, didn't I think actually it's even... going to be someone we know. 
and someone doing it for his own benefit. Mm. Yeah. For Rutherford's benefit, not for their Ooh, benefit. maybe, yeah. That'd be interesting. It'd be interesting to see if, if, if the person is someone we know from Lodex mm. or if it's from the uh, wider yeah. Star Trek But world. I'm thinking that it might not be, like, this might not be a big conspiracy, like how it's being played up at the moment. It's a complete curveball on it. It could turn out to be something nice, something good. I don't yeah. know. Um, yeah, so it, it leads to we're going to have a race to see who gets to keep the body, and that's where Rutherford builds the Delta Flyer and everything. And yeah, we get the I, I uniforms do. from the episode we're about to look at. So yeah, it's all great. Actually, that, that's what sold me in the end on this one because I was I was like oh, I did like Contagion, but then when you said the about the uniform, of that the was Delta such a Flyer. nice deep cuts one. The animation of the Delta Flyer is brilliant because it actually looks so similar to what we had in Voyager. If you look at like a comparison one next to mm. the other, there's hardly any difference. In fact, yeah. the animated one from Lower Decks, in some respects, looks sharper because of when Voyager was made. Oh, this is something I've noticed. Yeah, the animation on Lower Decks, some of the ships, they look so good. Like, they look better than in some episodes of Star Trek, you know. Yeah. Like in early DS9, when they liked a lot of CGI effects, which they weren't hmm. quite ready for. I mean, it, don't get me wrong, by the end of Deep Space Nine, they were masters at it, and you saw huge battles with like really detailed ships, but near the beginning, Jesus, there, there was this episode where um, Bashir, is, I think he's been overtaken by, or Changeling's gone in his place the first oh, time yeah, a couple yeah, yeah. of times, and he goes to pilot uh, the runabout into the sun, and just, oh, it goes to the worst special effects when the Defiant yeah. tries to get out. It's yeah, it's not great, but... But anyway, sorry, yeah, the, I think it's it looks yeah, really good. They do look they great. Um, I did actually like it when they were repairing the shuttlecraft earlier when he spoke talking to Tendi. If you look in the background, it looks like the uh, name of the shuttle's got burned off and they've written it in on like yeah. Yes. Yeah, that was a great <laughs> detail. Um and again, Squee, you mentioned it the where they bring the crew in, that's great. That's a really good Starfleet hero moment that he's got his friends yeah. to help him. Yeah, you're going, Oh shit, he's done the Delta Flyer. This guy's got a bespoke thing. What's gonna how are they gonna make it so he wins? It's like cause he relied on his friends. It's the most Star Trek thing. Yeah, you I've put. got a crew. <laughs> I'm I've not tried to do everything on my own. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just brilliant. And I do like how he's imagined it, though, that they all call him Captain. Yeah, well, if you're going to imagine it, you've got to met yourself. I mean, who would pretend to be a captain in any kind of walk of life that give themselves titles and they would just be ridiculous, but... I'd have them report to sickbay. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, that's, that's more or less it, isn't it? Ransom... He's impressed with Boimler for kicking off with everyone at the show, but he's yeah. still got to put him in the brig. Well, it's like, you've got to go to the well, brig, but where you got that was like, pretty good. Like, greeting, want it with Boimler, because, like, he's beating one of them up and going, do you, do you think we want to fight Klingons and Romulans all the time? No, we want to be out exploring fucking Quasars. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's actually thinking... quite a lot of F-bombs in mm. this, what, this episode. And it's also when they... Uh when they stomp his pimp pimp into the ground it just reminds me so much of the scene uh, from trouble with tribbles with scotty where it's like he's going no lad come on no we're better than that yeah. we're not gonna we're not gonna race to this bait 
the the Enterprise should be holed away as garbage. It's like right, you're starting on the Enterprise, <laughs> it's, it's, and, and it's the it's the same thing. It's you've got uh, yeah. she's being like uh, really reactive to everything, and he's calm. It's like you took my prep away, yeah. <laughs> and he's chasing away those. Uh, it's the bit where he's chasing the Ferengi, and they go off screen. And you hear the Ferengi going, "Fuck off!" <laughs> <laughs> I just pissed myself. I don't know why that was so funny, but I pissed myself so much at that bit. <laughs> because random swearing is funny. Don't care it, what it, people it is, say. It is. And it was just because it was, like, like, it it was, was a screen that went to the last minute. Really. But as they're kind of continuing on the scene, it's like, "Fuck off." <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I don't like it at the end though when Ransom's talking to him on the ship and he's there. You're gonna send me to Starbase 82. Oh no, it's awful there. But you are going in the brig. What? Mm. <laughs> yeah, but I'm really proud of what you did. <laughs> Standing up for Starfleet. <laughs> I've never been in the brig. <laughs> and I like this, it's mentioned twice is Starbase 80 being ooh, so I feel like we've got to see Starbase 80. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I feel like Lower Decks doesn't tease things like that if it's not got some sort of plan for it. So yeah, when when it's like these things with Rutherford are from season one and season two, and we only just get it a bit more of it. It's like what? they've obviously got a plan with this show. I know that we're seeing a lot of it's all standalone episodes, but there's a plan. Yeah, they've definitely yeah. got. At character arcs that they want to tell and character things like that. Stories and, and I mean, um, the the, the Vasha like character from the stall next to them is obviously going to yeah, be a runner. That's something else they're setting up there. Are we going to do something about will Mariner be tempted to actually leave Starfleet? Will she actually leave Starfleet? You never know. Um, yeah. So we got all that to look forward to, but. Um, yeah, so that led us on to Drive, which is the the Voyager episode. And I liked this one a lot better this time than I remembered it. Like, I remembered it vaguely, and I was like, oh, it's okay, but I, I thought this was a really good, fun one. It's quite a good, fun episode. Yeah. Well, I think it was great whenever it was about the race. And I think, yeah. as we'll get into, they should have focused on the race. Uh, there was a lot of other storylines which I don't think worked as well within it. But the whole race was was great, and like the whole thing of someone sabotaging it, that was all really well done. But um, yeah, um, we'll get on to Harry's flirting style at one oh, stage. It's yeah, really I mean, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, <laughs> that storyline sort of starts, doesn't it, right, right away, really. Harry and Tom have a bit oh, of a race with this woman and they win, but they have to save her. And obviously, because it's a beautiful alien woman, that's Harry Kim done for the episode. That's Yeah, <laughs> and, she, and he keeps on doing these really uh, lame flirt. Like, you, you can just about tell he's trying to flirt, but it's like... Uh, Hey, or I could be your co-pilot. I could come on board your ship, and she's like, "Yeah, fine, whatever." And when a men believe they've got chemistry, there is nothing coming from her. Are we and meant to believe, believe that? that? I, I'm not no, sure I we are meant, meant to believe, believe that. that. Well, they no, no. They, I will point you to to some quotes from the episode. So Tura says that he's got a glow about him. Uh, Paris is saying, "Oh, it sounds like you found uh, you found the one." It's like. Where the fuck are they getting that from? From what they've seen, he's <laughs> no, been doing think... very, very. I think flirting, and he's not been responding to it. I think Tom's taking the piss, though, isn't he? So he's like, it's not a bog, yeah, it's not a lizard, it's oh, not he is, a... He is, but I, 
I think the bit where they say at the end they feel like he oh he could be happy with this woman. I think maybe that's meant to be genuine. Because that's the way the, I read that. That's the funny thing is it's almost like the writers are acknowledging okay Harry Kim's got this bad run of um, romantic interests. Um, so let's call attention to it in the episode, and then it turns out she's a saboteur. Ha ha ha! Skit on Harry, you know, like bit harsh writers. You know, you could have, you didn't have to draw attention to it just to set him up for a fall again. You know, you could have let that pass, but no, it's oh, he's really just got zero game. It's season seven. Let's give Harry even more of a kick in because we haven't got many episodes <laughs> left to do it in. Shall we kill him off again? <laughs> Let's kill him spiritually well, instead. That'll be fine. Like, he doesn't quite get it as bad as um, O'Brien. No. But he definitely had the writers against him in the same sort of ways O'Brien did. Like, what shit do you think can we do to Harry this week? Yeah, but, like, O'Brien, it's never usually his fault, but a lot of Harry's problems are just because he's a bit lame. And whereas yeah, O'Brien, yeah. bad things just <laughs> happen to him. But yeah, you, you also think feel like they write it for O'Brien because he's so good he can get out of every, any situation. Yeah, it's and... like Harry. No, we'll kill him and then someone else will bring him back and we'll kill him a lot and then we'll just start really just going at him personally. Like we'll we'll have him doing some really crap flirting where he won't get anywhere with the girl. And, it and is... then everyone can bring up his shit dating life. It'll be great. Yeah, and it is creepy the way he's just so blatantly sniffing around her as soon as they... Oh. Uh, it's like, oh, come on, Harry, have a bit of dignity. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the one that she'd be telling her best friend about. It's like, could you, could you just, if, if he's about, could you just call me or like, you know, or could you just yeah, sort of turn up on your like, As soon as she's being debarred, it's almost like he's going, I've sent you a friend request on his. Okay, <laughs> yeah, it is uh, like that. Be on Instagram. I'll add you to my WhatsApp group. <laughs> yeah, it is. You're right. Very creepy. Um, He's one, doing little pictures of them getting married already. <laughs> one other subplot that's kind of sprinkled across the episode that I, let's just deal with it in one go is the doctor wanting to play golf. And don't have a problem with that as a character beat. What I do have a problem with is the props that they build for the putter and for the balls. And it's that's one of them really things where they're like, oh, we've got to make it look futuristic. It's like... Golf clubs and balls have pretty much been designed as far as they need to. They do not need light up balls that you yeah flashing lights. And also the the um, the club was just metal. Like it's meant yeah. to give a bit of bounces, like a whole thing. Surely, well, like the way they designed. See, I almost gave that a pass. I was what? gonna not mention it until I saw the flashy balls because. Well, golf putters, you do see all sorts of weird and wonderful things because golfers are quite superstitious about putters and they, they over-design them to such a ridiculous yeah. extent. Um, so you might see a putter like that, but the the ball, that's silly. All I'm like, saying is... Got, some of that got me about this was when he was practising and he kept missing. And I was thinking, hang about. He's got the entire shit senses control his movements, mm. so he can do um, to a micron surgery, and yet he can't swing a golf club accurately. Ah, but it's how he's designed. Like so, they they show when they're designing uh, the Bashir one, they take his personality traits. So I reckon they took the golf ability of Lewis mm. and that country. But for me, 
the good thing about them mentioning having the flashing balls there was uh, it was very helpful when they did the Star Trek Voyager porn parody that that went right. Yeah, yeah. Great, great scene. Uh, which we'll put a link to it in the show yeah. notes yeah. if you want to check that <laughs> um, out. But I actually I really like the Doctor popping up because he just felt like uh, he was a good bit of levity. It worked nicely alongside the main plot. Again, the other plot line I could have done without was uh, Taurus and um, and uh, and Paris's love story. It's I just, a weird one the way it felt forced. Yeah, the way they do it this episode's weird because it's like, okay, he's going to do the race, and then Belanda's like, I'm not angry. You know, it's fine if he wants to do his race. But then the next minute, like, she's going to see um, Neelix saying, it's all over. We're done. Yeah. Like, really? I know Belana's hot-headed and a Klingon side and everything, but it's like, really? you? That's like a couple of teenagers who were going out like, oh, he, he doesn't like Metallica as much as he likes Iron Maiden. We're through, you know? And one good conversation and she went from dumping him to marrying him. That that seems very forced as well. It's like, I mean, that's an emotionally unstable person. I'm sorry, but... It, yeah, I mean, Belana is, isn't she? But, but the thing but is, I think this is... I think when you say emotionally unstable, you just described most of the Klingon Empire. Yeah, but that, that's... Oh, I know, but I mean, at least they don't go from, like... Uh, they wouldn't go from wanting to dump someone to wanting to marry them. They'd be like, uh, no, they would have just dumped them by then. Go from mar- being married to someone to wanting to kill them. But that's, yeah, that's I, fine, I think that's in this case, I think it's bad writing rather than consistent Klingon writing it, yes. yeah, within this right. episode. Do you know what? I could have even bought... Right, she's decided, because they can have their date, she'll go along with him in uh, Harry's place. Harry's found that because he wants to help them out. And then on that, they have such a great time, he proposed to her. You could have just done that as a much simpler pair yeah. down plot, given some more time to the race, because that was fucking awesome. Yeah, the that race was, was cool. Point. The race and the Doctor should have been the subplot with him getting his nose out of joint and, you know... Well, we did get some and... more of this race, like a few years later when SG-1 copied it. <laughs> <laughs> I just say this was very nicely done and just you I mean at least in the SG one thing they didn't have two other subplots which didn't really That's work. what I mean, you get more of the race in the SG one version. SG one literally copied the political thr- political part of it with a space race mm. and had more race. And I know we're jumping all over the episode. Yeah, what was the other fine. thing? When they when they decided that uh, they would hold the uh, meeting on the ship. Mm. That's all, the only thing that Janeway suggests, and he goes, wow, if you're as good at racing as you are in politics, God, you're going to win this race easily. She had one fucking idea. Uh, and, also, just told her that, why, and why does that <coughs> take the pressure off? Like, these people they've never met, they're going to hold it, the um, the meeting aboard their ship. Why is that less political? I would have thought some people had their nose out of joint. It was how Yeah, there. and all of a sudden well, it's uh, like, oh, you get... The whole get... point was that it's neutral ground, which does make sense, that... To a degree, if it was neutral, but it has to be neutral ground that the two parties know. If it's neutral ground, it's a new location. That's going to raise suspicions. Like you know, yeah, it's a bit weird. Earlier, I mean, my issue with that scene was the the ambassador guys in Janeway's ready room and Chakotay's there, and they go. Oh, he's got a call. Oh, Janeway says, "Put it through here." You think the guy would be like, "No, can I check it in private?" But yeah, Jim Wayne and Chicago just stood there, like, clearly eavesdropping <laughs> on it. Like, 
it, it's so awkward. Like, I expected him to go, do you want us to go out so you can... It's like, it's like they're looking at him going, no, you're going to well, take this call in front of us. To be fair, this is a trope that runs all the way through uh, Star Trek, and it's mm. not just this episode. And I mean all the way through Star Trek, that as soon as you arrive in any alien environment, mm. the, the, their ideals sort out the problems yeah, true. almost overnight. And the simplest thing that needs sorting out ends up in courts for years and years in our society. Yes, true. Let yeah. alone sorting out the whole society overnight because of arriving. And mm. Yeah, that, I mean, it just seems like another uh, example of the shortcuts in this episode. They, so they take shortcuts on Janeway apparently being this awesome diplomat. Everyone trusts them, despite the fact they've never met them. Uh, the shortcuts they take with the relationship, like so with uh, Harry flirting with the girl, I think for me it's it felt like they were trying to suggest that they were he was getting somewhere with it when he wasn't like you need to show a scene showing that like the whole blana and uh paris thing that was rushed everything just seemed like just shortcutted to the point where it just those things don't work and again we've got the main plot which is really fun yeah we didn't get enough for the main plot like you say there's a lovely shot or like yeah. this joint. When the race starts, there's a brilliant shot where they fly past Voyager and you see everyone from the inside looking out the observation window. And that's, that's just a great that's special a effect. Shot. And it's one of them, not necessary at all. You didn't need to put it in there, but it's just a, a great, great shot to have in there. I loved it. The, the other thing which I want to raise, so I'm on, I'm on gripe mode, even though I did quite, it doesn't sound like it, but I did quite enjoy this this. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. this episode for the main plot but um, it was also when they've got uh, Janeway's going it's like no no the reports can wait of dangerous criminals on board or whatever okay it doesn't say that because no, like, no, uh, no, there have been a few instances like well that'll wait fuck it I don't know what they are but and I won't check but but we're having a race here and then Tuvok just drops being a Vulcan for a minute and goes uh, <laughs> no 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 that can wait oh if it's okay it's like Give someone else that line. That's Tuvok can't say that line. No, no Tuvok gets well into the race, doesn't he? Because Neelix is doing his commentary, which like uh, have him kind of trying to cover up afterwards for the fact that he's had an emotional slip. But he's yeah. just like now, nah, just being emotional. Yeah, yeah. T- you're right. Neelix ne- like Neelix's in this. commentary, and I thought that fitted really well. Yeah, it does because yeah. it's like seven of, and it, it's good interplay between Neelix and Seven because it's like. No, Seven, you're not getting it. You need to make it exciting. You know, yeah. there's no point... Yeah, I did update 11 minutes ago. Yeah, there's no point just describing it. It's in factual terms. You've got to inject a bit of passion into it. I mean, if anything, I wish they'd used that when he had his ne- Neelix talk show. If he'd been like a sh- almost like a shock jock-style uh, radio host, if he'd been a fast-talking DJ, mm. I think that would have been quite fun. Like, they... This just shows you what Neelix could have been. He could have been a fun character. Yeah, he could have been. It's a shame. Neelix is one of them. He's, he's a strange character because there's some episodes and Neelix is absolutely brilliant as a character. Mm. And then they'll ruin it the episode after and, make, and show the Neelix is a really, really crap character. And it's the very true. And it's worth saying that, that uh, Ethan Phillips is, is wonderful in the role. He's a great actor, but yeah, just, yeah. Uh, the writing lets him down so often. Yeah, It does. Yeah. Like, if you like hear interviews or um, he's been on podcasts and stuff, um, Ethan Phillips, and 
he's just such a charismatic, engaging guy. And you only rarely see that in Neelix, and it, it can only be because he's not given good enough material most yeah. of the time, you know. Because you see him in, in some episodes, it's absolutely amazing. Yeah, there's some great Neelix stuff. Um, so, the race gets stopped, and they go, right, everybody stay where you are. But then next thing we know, Tom's ship and the alien ship are both back on Voyager, and they're doing repairs on it. It's like... Are you allowed to do this mid-race? I know they have pit stops where they change yeah. tyres and stuff, but your risk of doing that is that everyone else is still racing while you're doing it, and it's a calculated gamble of do I do it and now and lose a few seconds that I can make back later? Or um, Whereas this, it's right, stop, you can all fix them. Like, surely that defeats the object a little yeah, bit. Um, you destroyed our shield by rubbing against us. In a race where you're allowed to rub against each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's a bit. Uh, I, I'm speaking, just speaking of the youth, the Me Too movement, like with the ships rubbing against each other, it's just not practical. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, it robs the race of its dramatic impetus. If we can just stop it, then it loses any sort of excitement and tension it had built up to that point. Yeah. And Obviously, it's because we're not really going to finish the race now. We're going to do the other thing. And again, I think Harry doesn't come off the best here because you're there watching it and going, Harry, she's planted a bomb on the finish line. I know it's not quite what they're doing, but it's like, that is clearly what's going on, Harry. And he's like, wait a minute. You want them to go up here and do this? And that you're like, she's going to blow them up at the finish line, Harry. Come on, get there. Get there quicker. Also, when when he do does send through a message to the Delta Flyer, yes, you've got Paris, Paris going, wait a minute, let me just look into the details of what's happening before I listen to what Harry said. Harry's just gone, I, I forget what he said, it's something like, get the hell out of there, or just... The, no, the he's sent it by Morse code. Oh, yeah, but they get the message, and they, as supposed to jumping into action, they go, no, no, I'm going to look at some sense and stuff, as opposed to just doing what Harry said and then asking questions Yeah, Nah, it's because he knows Harry's unreliable. He's like, you've got to double-check Harry's work. You can't just <laughs> take him on face value. I mean, come on. It's like Bob's going off. Okay, let's have a little meeting about this before we act. <laughs> yeah. And then Tom proposes, and... The next thing is the shuttle's got a just married thing. I'm like, wait a minute, we didn't even do a wedding episode. We're... Well, we've seen yeah. the wedding episode earlier in, was it last season? In um, Course You're Oblivion. Oh, did they show the wedding in that for the, well, they showed the, the doppelgangers? Wedding. Yeah. The doppelganger wedding. Ah, um, I forgot that about that. Start. Because that was uh, the start of the ship going funny because she had the rice fell through the deck. Ah, right, yeah. And maybe that's it then. Maybe they just didn't want to double up. But it, it just felt no. like, really? Oh, they've already got married. Right, I thought... Yeah, and who married them? Captain Janeway, obviously, because she's a yeah, captain. But, only... yeah, she's but captain. they're still stuck on the Delta Flyer. They even have a line where she goes, oh, and this is the worst uh, captain's log ever. Because you, you, surely this is an official log we're meant to believe. And she's going, like... Uh, Blana and and um, and Tom are still trying to effect repairs on on the Delta flyer, but I don't think they're in any hurry. Uh, Doesn't she say that they've gone on a, a holiday though? 
Yeah, fact, oh, I, she I, I got the impression this was then. after everything was wrapped up, then she finally lets them go on holiday. Yeah. But there's, okay, but... Because so, somebody's but paying is just married on the back of it. Yeah, I know, but that's what and, I'm saying. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. But she, she says, uh, and I don't think they're in too much of a hurry to get back. I thought I was referring to repairs they were making. No, I think it was no. like we're, we're, we're sticking around we're for meant, a bit. We're meant to imagine that everything's wrapped up about the race. They've gone back to Voyager. They've got married. And Janeway's decided that they're going to have a stopover for however long they're on the honeymoon. Yeah. And oh, they're okay, up on the Delta Flyer on the honeymoon, so they can't be disturbed. I Yeah, it, it was a very rushed ending and a very rushed marriage. I mean, I still think yeah, even if you've had the marriage in another timeline a series before, you have an episode around them getting married. It just seems you like... See, yeah. You've had a, an episode where they got married and then you had loads of drama and everything happening. So now you've got... No, they've just gone off and got married and it's all hunky-dory. <laughs> I mean, even if you and just next cut week to... there'll be a married couple and she'll be pregnant. Even if you don't, yeah, exactly. Even if you don't want to show the whole marriage, you could have just had one scene where it's at the end of the marriage. Janeway pronounces the man and wife. You know what, though? I I think what happened is they were talking about it, you know, in the the writers' room, and the actors were talking. And Robert Duncan McNeil obviously said, "Oh, um, you know, Tom and Belana are going to get married." And Garrett Wong said, "Wait, Harry's going to be the best man. I'm going to get a really good role in that episode." And the writers went, "Oh, wait a minute, nope, nope." (laughs) I also think they're in that same writers' room. Yeah, they're in that same writers' room, and they go to the kind of head writers like, "Right, we've got to pitch for like a few really great episodes." So there's one where it's going to be a great space race, kind of think wacky race in space. It's going to be great. But have another one. Uh, we've um, Jill's come up with this plot where it's uh, where you've got. Janeway and uh, sorry, Torres and and uh, Paris getting married and and they're gonna have they're gonna fall out. She's gonna want to dump him, but then it comes around the end. And there's another story which Bill came up with, and it's gonna be uh, Harry Kim. He's gonna fall in love with this woman, but she's gonna be a saboteur. And they go, oh sorry, no no guys, we we got one episode left mm-hmm. in the slate. Okay, we'll just combine them all together. It'll be fine. We've got enough time. It'll be great. <laughs> That's what this episode feels like a little bit. But again, it's such a shame because there is a great main plot to it and yeah. the heart. Of it. I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, you can, you know, you can pick it apart as we have done. And, and say, if you want to see more of the space race, and it will be coming to Amazon Prime soon because it's SG One. They do space race season three, season eight, or season seven. I think season but seven. You said seven episode where... three the other day. I I no, don't that's know. That's what this one is. Yeah, because it's the series where um, Daniel's only in some of them, if I'm yeah. correctly. Yeah. But the space race to do, and it, and it really is a rip-off of this mm. episode, because Drive was made in 99 and Space Race was made in 2003. But you get the race, <laughs> and lots of the race, and when they have a problem, they don't go back to the ship and make repairs, they on the hoof. <laughs> And anyone who's like listening to us for the first time um, or not listened to many of our episodes, we just want to point out that when we cover older episodes, we do try and have a little bit of fun with it. It doesn't mean we don't like the episodes or that we're hating on Voyager or anything. It's just we feel like 
so much critical discourse has been done on these episodes over the years that we're just going to have a bit of a laugh with it. So oh, please don't I, think I don't, that we yeah. we hate it or anything. It's all all in good humour. And also, like, you can love something. In fact, I think if you love something, you, you want to pick it apart more. You yeah, kind of, like, absolutely. When it's doing really well, you want to get rid of any bits which aren't as good. So, like, again, take like, away from the good bits. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I think uh, trying to do too I, much I really killed this. I don't think bits. we send hating on it by saying that we wanted to see more of the wedding. No, we're not. Yeah. I'm, I'm I, just pointing out for anyone who's not not familiar with when we do older episodes that we we do take a more humorous approach to them quite often but um yeah i i thought this was a great fun episode though as we've pointed out it just tries to do too much it does yeah yeah so Uh, like i wonder if like we know this is from the final season if they suddenly found out that they weren't getting an eighth season if they thought that it might go on longer. Mm-hmm. And then they suddenly have things that they have. Like, it's almost like they're trying to tie up the Tom and yeah. Balana. Oh, shoot, married. we meant to get and, Tom and Balana married. Like, yeah, but we, she also have, she, get, she gets pregnant and has a baby. And I wonder if she's already become preg- pregnant at this point. Maybe the actress was and they thought, <laughs> you know what, we can't show them... Un- we can't show an unmarried couple having a baby in the Star Trek yeah, universe. Yeah, she's found out she's pregnant, which is timing right because it's a six-month season. Yeah, she has a baby in the last episode. <laughs> oh, I mean, the most fun one they did was with um, uh, Frasier, which has got a Star Trek link through Paramount, and they had a lot of cast going back and forth. Mm-hmm. And then um, also captains the Bozeman. No, that's what I'm saying. It yeah, there's, <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. The cast kind of go back and forth. It's usually from Star Trek to um, to either Cheers or Frasier, but yeah, like yeah. you say, uh, um, uh, Kelsey Grammer goes back. Anyway, they do one. Of, there's one series where um, Daphne, played by Jane Leaves, is obviously oh. really heavily pregnant, and they just basically make out like she's got fat, like because of <laughs> yeah. they write in this really kind of quite off. fun storyline whereby because um, Niles makes like puts her on a pedestal so much it's so much pressure so she turns to eating but it's just there's ridiculous stuff of her always hiding snacks on the set and just stuffing her face it's just like oh she's not pregnant she's just fat i mean she's clearly pregnant but it was kind of a fun way of doing something yeah that's a good way to do it rather than just having people stood behind a desk all the time or whatever they or have a baby written into it which you don't want for that character at that time just yeah just yeah. do something different. So I mean, she, when she was off having the baby, she was away at fat camp for a well, couple Well, yeah, you just you go the X-Files route. You just have alien abduction. That's how you deal with a, a pregnancy. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, I think that about does us for this week. Yeah, well, but like I said, I wonder if that's why the wedding was wrong. Could have been. It could have been. She, she, she found out she was pregnant, and it's right, we have to rush this in now. <laughs> yeah, it could well yeah. have been. Um, but yeah, we'll be back next week to talk about more Lower Decks and whatever episode that might take us to. It could be Move Along Home, you never know. Um, if you oh, want to get, get in touch with oh, us in the meantime... I'm hoping for Code of Honor. No one's hoping for Code of Honor. <laughs> I mean, if it comes up, and yeah, I had to tell, just for anyone listening, I had to tell the guys off, because they're now looking for bad episodes to cover if they're in the episode. I'm like, no, unless it's yeah, a primary reference. Uh, 
Like it's a primary reference, a and there's a need to do that episode then. Fair enough. But if you're just looking for bad episodes, no. We're not yeah, doing there's that. a lot of these episodes that, under normal circumstances, we wouldn't look at going back and covering. So, because we, we do series, we've got Dominion War going on. Yep. We've decided we're going to look at the Erosion as one series. We did Red Sparkle previously. We've done Time Travel. So it's quite nice to some of these episodes that we otherwise wouldn't go back and watch and review that we're giving them a chance. That's yeah, what we do said in one episode, let's do that next because it's a bad episode. No, that's not the thing. What we like, don't want to be doing is sat here when we're 70 and we've covered every other episode of Star Trek and we go, oh, we've got the 20 worst episodes ever to cover in the next 20 weeks. Right. You see, it's we're right. planning on. <laughs> I'm, I'm just thinking like the lower decks people will always give us lots of episodes to cover they and, will uh, some of them are going to be bad they're reclaiming some of them i feel like well we'll but find out you have to jump in with the the reference in lower decks because it gives us the excuse to cover it mm. well we'll find out pretty soon but in the meantime if you want to get in touch with us we're at retrekpod on twitter retrekpod at gmail.com uh, you can find us on Facebook, you can find us on YouTube, you can find us wherever at the minute on social media. Dr. Squee, you've got the Dr. Squee show going on. I do. Uh, we're basically <laughs> playing all the interviews from uh, Squee Fest. I believe next up is probably Nicola Bryant, I Ooh. think. I'm trying to think of the schedule in my head. So we did Ian McNeese this week. Uh, I believe it's N- uh, Nicola Bryant next week, who of course played Perry and Doctor Who for anyone who doesn't know. Um, yeah, six till eight on a Tuesday uh, every week UK time um, on sw20radio.co.uk, the new sound of South Wales, because I'm obviously so Welsh. Absolutely. And thanks for trekking with us this time. We'll see you next time on the retrack. Walk with Thank the profits. Bye bye. <laughs>